Previously on the Guardians of Bahal. The party had finished investigating Lord Rice Heiress's house, an attempt to find clues connecting him to the death of one of the lords on the Nobles Council in the Wind Plains. While searching the house, they encountered a magical trap with imps and hellhounds in his personal study and managed to escape with several letters. After a discussion, they believed to have found a motive for why Rice would murder a fellow member of the Venerable and how the framing of his cousin, Lady Elaine Eris, would put him in a prime position not only to inherit the throne for the Wind Plains, but also put their ward friend, the heir to the Iron Valley, directly into his lecherous clutches. Deciding they needed to head back to Meyerfield and find proof that Rice used shadow magic to kill the Lord, they decided to align themselves with one of the Duchess's strongest supporters, the Marquis Karen de Sternis, and disguise themselves as his servants. They've spent the last few days convincing him to aid them and working with his own knights to come up with convincing covers that would allow them to move amongst the partygoers with little notice. It is the night before you leave for the festival. Desternus has called you all in to say what the results of analyzing that soul-steering dagger made out of black crystal recovered from Rice's manor was, and he revealed that it possessed some sort of sentient spirit that would undoubtedly try to control and influence the wielder for its own ends. But it must connect to another piece of the same crystal material. So, you guys have spent some time figuring out what your covers are, and I'll go over what you all said to me last session. Um, and also, that night before you left, Felix did go to the fighting pit rings, and he might have some info that will get shared at some point. Lauren and I did it out of game because it was really quick. And then we'll, if there's anything else you guys want to do before you leave in the morning, just let me know. But just as a recap of what your roles are, uh, Una, you are working with two of Desternus's knights who are also pretending to be grooms. Um, they are Bolent, which is a, let me look at my notes, a man. He is really intelligent, but very judgmental. Uh, he has hazel eyes, brown hair, and brown skin, and he's in his late 30s, human. And then you're working with Rowena, who is a half-elf, much closer to you in age, probably early 20s. Uh, she has brown eyes, copper hair, and notable elf ancestry, and skin that tans slowly, like, so she burns easily. She's probably in her early 20s, and one of the reasons she got chosen as a groom is because she's naturally good at horse riding, but she's a very young knight. Um, Did you say Rowena, Rowena, as in Rowan A? Yep. Yep, Rowena. She's very energetic and cheerful and a prodigy at fighting for being so young. So I was thinking like, you know, Harry Potter when I heard it, I admit. Rowena so. Ravenclaw. Rowena, yeah. Rowena Ravenclaw. Um, that is who Una's been with the last couple days, like training to learn how to pass as a groom. Uh, Josh, Hans and Franz. Uh, you and Rowan are working under uh, Lord Desternus's personal bodyguards. There's two of them. They are very much senior, senior knights. Um, and they are called Anshun or Anshu and Ross. Uh, Anshu is his his cup taster as well and has some sort of 
clerical magic where he can remove disease and stuff like that. So they are both in their like 40s. So they they are much more like older veterans. Uh, those are who you're kind of with. Sam, Nora is with uh, a bunch of Rhiannon's ladies and wait or maids. So you're with Sophia, a woman named Morna, who is in her mid forties. She is very calm, kind of like a mom, like has mom energy uh, and has green eyes, blonde hair and tan skin. And definitely feels like more of like the mature one, but you wouldn't think she looks would be a knight, but apparently she is a very one of Desternus's like knights who trains other knights. So she's actually quite skilled, even though she just radiates this mom energy. Uh, the other one that you are with is Septima. She is more of like a very confident and flirtatious, bold person and very much an incorrigible flirt. She's like in her early 30s. Uh, she has she has green eyes, brown hair, and has pale skin. So that's mostly the people that y'all have been training with. There are some other people that are going along as guards as well, but they're going as different servants that are not directly in your guys' sphere, per se. But you, ha there's other ones you'll be interacting with. But those are your main people that you've kind of spent the most time with. And then Felix, you were training under the steward uh, Lord Desternus's specific steward. His name is Patton. And he basically has trained you and you've kind of been the one going between all of these people. And the ones that you interacted with the most were Erlis and Nerva, which were the two who joined you at the fighting pits. Nerva is very prideful. He takes his job very seriously. He has brown eyes, black hair, and pale skin, and then um, Erlis is a little bit more materialistic and opportunist, and you pick up on the fact that, like, the reason that she went is because she does bookie stuff for the guards, so she had a little bit more of, like, a, I know how to I know how to move in this circle of, like, underhanded people, but very loyal to Desternus is your impression. Just maybe did some booking stuff in her in her past, so... Those are the ones you have spent the most time with. So that's just a recap of what all your roles were. I don't know how many of you were changing your names or anything. I know, Josh, you're going as the Helmed Knight with a mask. Felix, you're keeping the name Felix. Una, I have no idea if you're changing your name. Nora, I have no idea if you're changing your name. Rowan, I have no idea if you're changing your name. Nora's keeping her name, considering it's like the shortened version is pretty common. Yeah, yeah same with Officially. Una, if it's a common... If Una is a common name, then she'll keep it. Um, I do common. want to make sure that Spruel is in the shape of a spider, because I'll probably okay. be giving that to Sam since I'll be outside and he can be inside then in a way to communicate between the two of us. So, or at least you can see what's going on. Yeah, and yeah, that worked. He could I just hide that would into like Nora's like like on her shoulder or something yeah, the uh, entire time. Out of all of the creatures. Probably into a ruffle so no, like, nobody comes over. Oh, you have a bug on you. Whack. <laughs> <laughs> out of all of his forms, like, or out of all the standard forms, a spider seems the easiest to do this with. So, and sure. I mean, if he's within 100 feet, great. If not, then, well, he'll just be on his own and come in between, I guess. And you can at least see through his eyes, though. Um... 
yeah, that's where we left off. Any questions before you guys head out in the morning? Uh, just a note, officially, the name that Hans and Franz is going with is Helm the Faceless Knight. I love because it Because he, so he never shows his face. <clears throat> Smart. I feel like, I feel like Rowan should change his name. Yeah, what does he look like? <laughs> I had, I had thought about that, um, but I don't remember what I decided. I think I decided just like, nondescript tall boy, um, you know, short brown hair, big beefy dude. Is he going to be look look young or is he going to look old? Like, is he going to look in his 20s, late teens, 30s? Um, probably like 20s. OK, Um, like young, but not like, oh, my God, you're a child. Um, <laughs> so why are you a knight? Yeah. <laughs> why are you a guard? <laughs> you look like a baby. Sylvester, the baby face knight. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Sly. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? The baby um... face knight. I love it. <laughs> oh my fucking god, I love it. Okay. I am, I am Helm the Faceless, you are Sly the Baby-Faced. Are <laughs> you one of those, like, 12 years old, above the shoulders, <laughs> pretty pretty built below them? Yep. <laughs> I love this. Yep. My body's outgrown my head. <laughs> yeah. So, with that, uh, the night before you guys leave, um... Rhiannon actually does come with her ladies' maids, which is all the rest of you. So you guys are finally reunited and you're staying in the part of the castle that Dasternus lives in, which is a little bit odd, but you know, for nobles that he would be living in a place that's not his own, but it just seems like he's he's kind of living here. Um, and yeah, Lauren, you had a question. Felix is at the fighting pit. Yes, for the first part of the night, and then he'll get back probably like 11 or midnight, depending on how late he stays. So everyone's probably asleep. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Sam, you're back with the group, and everyone's going to be rolling out in the morning to make their way to Meyerfield. So, if there's nothing else, you guys get up in the morning, and it is time to take on your official role as servants. Uh, Disternus's guards and stuff help everyone pack up. You guys get your riding arrangements. It looks like for the most part, everyone is on horses, except for the ladies in waiting are in a carriage with Rhiannon and she absolutely seems to hate it. She does not want to be in the carriage. She wants to be riding on her horse, but so it is Sam, you're in the carriage with some of the other ladies in waiting, uh, Felix, Hans and Franz, Rowan and Una, you were all on horses with the other knights and Lord Disternus is riding on a horse and his cat is coming with him, which I believe you don't know the name of, but his big black panther cat that you guys interacted with originally when he came and talked to you all in Rhiannon's private apartment in the school is there. And the cat rides, like trots along with the group for a while, but then gets tired. And when it gets tired, like the carriage slows and it jumps on top of the carriage and like sits on top of the luggage and sleeps. Nice. Yep. The sleepy, sleepy boy. Might as well Um, name it Zoro. Yep. (laughs) I think I wouldn't have a chance to, you know. Um, So how, how, how much of the staff knows, like, is everyone on the staff that we're traveling with in on our ruse? Yes. Everybody who's on this mission uh, is one of his knights. 
Not one of them is actually like a servant. Okay. They're all okay. they're trusted knights that are loyal to him. They are they are aware of the circumstances, and he would have said this to you guys and would have known that like they are there to make sure that if shit goes south and like it looks like you guys are where it's gonna be like grab for treason, their job is to die making sure that Rhiannon can like at least escape. If not him, Rhiannon can get away somewhere safe where she can't be used as a political hostage. Okay. So that's, they they are, they know what they're about, but they're all disguised as servants and they kind of, uh, you get the vibe that maybe these aren't his most famous knights. These are ones that could pass as servants. Right. Um. So, but there's a few other ones. Like in total, he's got 15 Knights going, but uh, only two of them, and then Rowan and Hans and Franz are passing as his other knights. It looks like he's only bringing four, two knights and two men at arms as protection. Everybody else is a servant of some sort or passing as one. Okay. So they all they all know that they're there to make sure that if if shit goes south, like they're there to make sure that everyone can flee. Well, make sure the nobles well, can flee. Yeah, the important people can flee. <laughs> um, the the road it is kind of drizzling a bit as you guys travel. Is there anything you would like to do on the trip on the road? Um, so Rowan and I are on horseback. Mm-hmm. Are we like, I guess, uh, flanking Disturnus? Is Disturnus in a carriage, or is he on horseback as well? He's on horseback too. He probably should be in the carriage, but he's not. <laughs> He's not like super high ranking that he's like, uh, I don't want to be exposed. No, he should be in the carriage. He doesn't want to be because he doesn't like it. It feels <laughs> too infantilizing. He just he's, he's and, like, and so he's inflicting that on Rihanna. And I see. I see. Yes. <laughs> well, while we're riding, Hans and Franz would probably be practicing, <laughs> practicing his voice as this helm. So no. he's, he's going to he's going to be trying to do something similar to the Hornet, but not as um, robust, not as much bravado. There you go. I think the Hornet talked like this. Pretty much. You know, very odd. (laughs) And so Hornets are not insects. I mean, maybe he would just try to bring it down and he'd sound like me. Okay, but you're just, yeah. He doesn't want to sound like his brother, who's the ambassador. Exactly. He has to, yeah, because he can't be like, Yeah, hello, I'm Helm, the faceless. I look and sound like that guy. Yeah. And then <laughs> when Andrew is talking with someone, it's like, uh, Do you know Helm, the faceless? No, I have never met him before. Yeah, so I'm just going to do my regular voice as Helm. Felix is outside, riding, just chilling, doing anything. Trying to stay awake. <laughs> he looks a little sleep deprived. Yeah. Rowan will just be keeping an eye out, um, sort of on the flanks off the road, mm-hmm. um, just to make sure. You know, he's, he is a guard. He's just doing his duty. Nora, are you doing anything in the carriage? Nora's just staying quiet and soaking up anything anybody else says, but she is just keeping to herself. Give me an insight check. I can do that. First dice roll of the night. First dice roll of the month. <laughs> oh, God. Twelve. It seems like uh, Morna is being very, 
the the mom energy one is very calm and looks like she's just trying to keep the peace. You can see her like actually working on a little bit of a like a knitting project on the way there, you know, chilling. Uh, Septima looks kind of bored um, and occasionally like makes some sort of flirty comment to Rhiannon and Rhiannon kind of like when she doesn't seem annoyed that she's stuck in the carriage will kind of say something back like 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 flirt energy but not actually like serious flirt energy uh Sophia is kind of there and she actually Sophia used uh Rhiannon's hairbrush that changes color and her hair is like brown today so she's going like you when you're like oh it's trying not to look as much like her um but yeah otherwise uh Septima kind of will do small talk with Nora too as well and kind of be a little bit like, you know, I don't, so you, you didn't grow up in Feyen? No. No? No? no. I'm not from around here originally, no. Are you from the Feyrealm originally? N no, no. Not, not from the Feyrealm itself, no. Oh, that's so mysterious. I want to know where you're from. And she just kind of like has this really mischievous like look on her face. Like, oh, I want to know. Nora just gets this like blush across her face of like, like you're prying and I don't like it, but I don't want to say anything. And so she's just kind of like, she just kind of like closes up a little bit, mm -hmm. but she keeps it very cordial and will like smile and whatnot. Uh... And then she'll kind of like ramble a little bit about how she grew up in Fayen and then or, and then got like the uh, no actually she probably would have grown up she she probably would have grown up closer to Disturnus's actual lands and stuff and talk about living in the country and stuff like that and then it's like a subtle did you live in the country and Nora will continue the small talk keeping it extraordinarily <laughs> vague the entire time <laughs> Morna eventually is like. Septima, you don't have to be so prying about everyone. Not, you don't need to know everyone's business. And she's like, well, what else are we supposed to do in the carriage? We got to talk about something to make the drive pass faster. And Morna's like, well, do you have a different topic in mind other than interrogating this poor girl? And Septima's like, not one that you won't slap me for starting. And then she's like, oh, like, oh my God, what am I going to do with you? Nora, if she did, she hear that comment. Oh yeah, like you guys are in the carriage. She stifles a very slight laugh. She just gives like a. <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise, and then uh, finally, I guess, uh, Aaron, did you want to say something? You look like you had a question. You wanted to ask. Yeah, where where is Andrews Hans and Franz in all of this? Not in the carriage. Um, uh, he's riding outside with you guys. Okay. Um, so he he would not be in the carriage, even though he's an ambassador. I feel like that wouldn't be his jam anyway, you no. know? So it's just the girls in there. Okay. Um, finally, finally, Septima kind of like leans forward. Or, no, actually not Septima. She's like, I thought of something to ask. My lady, I hope you don't mind me being forward, but have you written, have you received any letters from the young Lord in any time soon? And then she, like, very friendly, and then Rhiannon kind of, like, smiles a bit, and she's like, I did, actually. He sent me a gift recently for the fall festival. Well, the equinox, since Fae timelines instead. And she's like, oh, really? 
what did he do? And she's like, oh, you know how he is with his embroidery. And she's like, but otherwise his studies in Taewon have kept him pretty busy from talking to me frequently. And then Morna just is kind of like excited and asks more information about somebody like that Rhiannon seems to know and ask like, you know, small talk and stuff like that. And then Septima makes a couple comments like, oh, really? What else has he sent you as gifts and stuff like that? And then Morna just like shakes her head like, oh, my God, I can't. Why am I in the carriage with you? This is this is getting ridiculous. Um, but Rihanna just kind of gives casual answers about like who she's been communicating with, and then who who is this young lord that they were talking about? I don't know. Sam That's didn't ask question. trying questions. Sam Nora should have been. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was like, are they talking? We about- are soaking in information. We will right. ask in private. <laughs> I was wondering if it was Lord Fuckwad, but but then she was like being coy and not like disgusted about it. I was like, wait, who? What? Well, she could also be playing because she doesn't right. want to like put on a face um, of I hate right. this guy that we're going to his party. Make we'll an see. insight. Make an insight check for me, um, Sam. <sighs> Dan's trying to call me again. Ugh. No. Eighteen. Okay, with that high of a roll, you would have picked up that um, he, like, whoever, like, Morna was asking about, it was somebody she was very familiar with and somebody Rihanna was very familiar with, and she seemed like they were some an acquaintance that she was on good terms with that is someone related to Lord Desternus. Hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. I have ideas. What? My brother has competition. <laughs> I don't think brother has competition, to be honest. Eventually, you guys stop. Uh, the, the carriage does stop. And then um, Morna sticks her head out to see why. And the driver, who is one of the knights, is named Taskill. Taskill says, oh, we're stopping for lunch, finally. Thank God I need to stretch my legs. Ugh. I would rather be walking than riding than driving this stupid carriage. Which god are you talking about, Taskill? Uh, anyone that would save me from getting cramps in my ass on the road for so long. I mean, you could probably, you know, stand up. As I'm driving the carriage? Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, I feel like that wouldn't work. If you are more skilled at driving a carriage than me, I would be happy to see you try to do it. Look, I'm just trying to offer suggestions. Oh, I know. I'm just saying I don't think I can do it. But basically, they, they kind of set up an area to, like, take a break on the road, take care of the horses, and reconvene for lunch. Uh, and specifically during lunch, Lord Desternus gestures to Felix to come over. And he says, So, I'd like a bit of a report on anything you would have found last night at the Friedin Pits. Seems like from Erlis and Nerva that there was something that you, pe- you alluded to, but you wanted to wait till we were in more private areas to discuss it. Felix nods. Uh, definitely. Uh, looks around to see if the group's nearby. You guys are all eating lunch, so wherever. Okay. okay. Um, Rhiannon, he would have waited for Rhiannon to be sitting over there, too. Okay. So Nora would have probably at least be around. Um, so. These two are probably, like, yeah, a little ways away from the group, at least. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for it's one of those things that Desternus will kind of like say, have his men stand guard, but then motion to the rest of the individual party, like 
since Felix is their contact to come over and hear it too. And you guys are Rihanna's confidants. So he would he would motion for all of you guys to come over. Okay. Okay. Hunter Frounzel yep. oblige. The Lord's beckon. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll mosey on over. Uh, so Felix is going to start. Right. So most of the lords, as expected, were off to their own harvest festivals. Uh, however, there were three there. Uh, Lord Evelyn, Lord Blackburn, and Lord Feldspar. You see Desternus's face kind of frown a bit, like, what was Feldspar doing this far inland away from the wolves' hearth? Seems a bit of a journey for him. Lord, your guess is as good as mine. Though I I do suspect connection between him and the Venerable, seeing as when I first met the group, I was actually coming back from delivering and picking up a package for them from Wolf's Heart. He, he kind of like raises an eyebrow, but then uh, Rhiannon chimes in. She says, whether he's part of the Venerable or not, I do know that is where Rice was exiled to when Elaine banished him somewhat privately from court. Is she sent him to Wolf's Hearth? Well, that definitely doesn't seem to be a coincidence. So it was those three, and Blackburn and Feldspar seemed a bit more interested in socializing with Evelyn than Evelyn was with them. He seemed, Evelyn seemed out of sorts, really. I think he usually goes back to his own festival at about this time of year. So, uh, yeah. Well, uh, Feldspar and Blackburn started asking Evelyn more about what was going on with, uh, well, dancing around what was going on with the Lord's Council and Elaine at the moment. He was very vague in in answering their questions. And he got more uh, I can't that. <laughs> you keep going. Are you trying to slip into Scottish? <laughs> it's so hard. Um, he got more early as the evening went on, and Blackburn seemed to get the message. Feldspar did not, and Felix actually looks like a little bit kind of impressed. Eblin actually lost his temper. <laughs> I've never quite seen that. And when uh, Feldspar directly uh, asked if, uh, what if Elaine was guilty of murder- murdering Westwood, Eblin said, so long as the moon pulls the tide, I obey the moon. And he up and left. 
Uh, you can see like uh, Rihanna kind of like wrecked, like, whoa, okay. Uh, and the sternest is like kind of like studying the story and then he kind of like gives like a sly smile and he's like, well, that old salty dog is more loyal than I thought. Good for him. I'll have to buy him a drink sometime if we get out of this whole thing. So Lady Elaine is the moon? I think metaphorically speaking, that's what he meant. But what if he was just saying, whoever is in charge is, he is faithful to, he doesn't care who it is. Could, could be, but I feel like he would have been more diplomatic or had a coy answer if, if he was really courting the idea of talking to rice supporters or potential rice supporters. It's hard to say. That could be a fair interpretation, but... I don't know. He doesn't usually give those kinds of reactions unless he's heated about something, so... Uh, well, I can assure you, Lord Disternis, that Feldspar and Blackburn were also very surprised about his reaction. They actually seemed a little bit nervous after that, uh, and they actually sent all of their servants out. Feldspar said... I thought for sure Jasper would be indifferent, but that sincerity towards Elaine's innocence is real. Blackburn replied, maybe he's not as indifferent to her as we assumed. Feldspar, what of the others? Blackburn replied, Briar is at home with his long-eared wife giving birth to their next batch of half-breeds. But he sent word to the lords that he insists we follow the law and not act without suspicion and proof to condemn her for Westward's murder. And Feldspar replied, maybe he's been speaking with Evelyn. He's got a daughter of marriageable age and he's got two sons. And, uh, well, they got up to get refreshments at that point and I couldn't make out what they were saying. That's unfortunate. Yeah, Felix looks like he wants to strangle something. <laughs> I missed the juicy shit! Uh, yeah, completely looks like he wants to strangle something. Um, when uh, they... I was able to read their lips again. Uh, Blackburn said, We'll see what the path forward is as soon as we're with the others. And Feldspar said... I never thought she'd do something like this. Losing Westwood is ill-timed. And uh, Blackburn said, is this because of your daughter's betrayal, though? To the group, he explains, uh, Feldspar's daughter, one of them, is actually engaged to the uh, new Lord Westwood. Feldspar seemed angry at that. Uh, he said that would remain unchanged, that his eldest son was always the heir. It's just come sooner. We may need to delay for another year or two, but that alliance will stand. And Blackburn said, that Stamdale time, the boy is only 18 and will undoubtedly fo be focused on revenge for his father's death. Uh, and Feldspar said, that is not an ill thing. And Blackburn cried, to fill the role of what his father did for us, it is. Feldspar considered this and said, too green and too messy to get him involved. And Blackburn replied, 
perhaps things will escalate quicker than anticipated and our venture ends early. And after that, they'd mostly talked about small talk. Want to clarify? Uh-huh. Clarification. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Jasper is Lord Evelyn, right? Yes, Jasper okay. Evelyn. All right. Um. So Rhiannon says, well, there definitely sounds to be some sort of understanding between them that goes beyond their own suspicion of what happens to the realm. And uh, Desternus said, yes, I'm not sure about... Feldspar's always been a nervous little nervous little fool, but Blackburn is is hard to read. It definitely seems that they are trying to take stock of who would support Rice's claim to the throne versus if if something happens to Elaine. Or if it's enough of a reason to support a coup to push the Lord's Council into trying to get rid of her somehow. That's unfortunate. Did you happen to make out of either of it's either of them are coming to the festival? No. Hmm. Well, I suppose we'll find out soon enough as we continue on the road. Um, he thanks you for the report. If there's anything you guys wanted to say to or, or ask, so go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So let's just see if I'm understanding this right. Uh, Blackburn and Felspar? Falspar? Feldspar. Feldspar after Evelyn left, we're having this discussion concerning uh, betrothals and heirs and stuff like that. Yeah. So Feldspar's eldest daughter is betrothed to the eldest son of the former Lord Westwood, the new Lord Westwood. And Blackburn was questioning whether that was still in place. Well, he seemed to uh, insinuate that. Uh, are you asking us, Hans and Franz? No, this is Josh just understanding what okay. what I've um, heard. Uh, it sounded like Blackburn uh, was like, "So you're actually still going through with this betrothal?" Like almost like, you know, the man's dead. Uh, yeah. What does it matter anymore? Because if what we assume is true, Rice killed Westwood to pin it on Elaine. Um, If Blackburn and Feldspar are in it with Rice, then they are aware of maybe some backlash or they don't want to be associated with the Westwood house or something like that. Blackburn, the way that Felix would have interpreted it is he would be like, are you sure that like your engagement to your daughter's engagement to the oldest son will even be something he considers as the new Lord? Because marriage packs kind of are a thing, but like if the, the heir, the father figure isn't there and there's a new Lord kind of in charge of honoring it, he might push back on having this, marriage agreement happening sooner. So Blackburn was basically implying, are you concerned about Westwood dying for anything other than it affecting your own daughter's like future prospects of being elevated? Because, you know, maybe this will get a little bit pushed back or, you know, waning. So Blackburn was kind of insinuating like, do you care about the larger consequences of this? Or are you just asking this because you're worried about your daughter being able to get married to like a good marriage match? Whereas their engagement, like their engagement, might get thrown off. Like, are you sure this kid is going to honor it? So, 
that was the vibe that okay Felix would have gotten. So more, you know, lack of trust in the the new lord than are you sure this is a good idea? Yeah. Almost trying to tell him you need to get your daughter out of that agreement. Well, or like you should be thinking about like, you should be thinking about everything a little bit more carefully because this does throw a wrench in things. Like, it seems like both of them agreed that his son was going to not be like whatever Westwood was for them. Like he was, you know, young and Mm -hmm. not on the same level. Um, Sounds malleable. Yeah. Or not as competent. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Do you want to bring an eighteen-year-old into political scheming? Probably not. Probably um, not the best idea. No. So now one thing was interesting: the possibility of the Lords Council um, abolishing the throne. Is that? Did I understand that correctly? It was something that Disturnus said. Uh, he said it in the terms of like. If enough of the nobles, the other no- lesser nobles, kind of push the Lord's Council like to get rid of Elaine, that's going to be a problem, you know, oh. because the Lord's Council, if they're split on it, but if there's enough like obvious support for getting rid of Elaine and putting Rice on the throne because people don't trust her, then that will be a problem because all of the lords who have control over the region's bannermen might be like, no, we would rather support this person. And they have armies that are loyal to them. Like, if there's enough of them pushing for it, it might make even, like, more staunch supporters feel pressured to get rid of Elaine. But yeah, that was what he was thinking about. Um, I don't think there's anything else that I want to clarify, I think. It's a lot of noble nonsense you got. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to wrap my head around who's the douchebags and who's the good guys. So, wait a minute. Blackburn <laughs> actually seemed disappointed that Elaine might be framed for murder? No. Neither of them seemed to regret it. It was just more of like, we didn't expect her to kill Westwood. This is really sudden. I don't know what to make of this, and we're not sure what we're supposed to do. Like, maybe things are going to shift sooner than we would have anticipated. That was the undercurrent of the conversation. Like, they're shocked that she actually did it. They did not expect it. And two, it's like, well, shit, this might accelerate whatever our plans are. Like, we have to figure it out, but we don't know. We don't have a consensus. They're kind of like waiting for the the hat to drop before they do anything. Yep. And just a reminder for you guys, Blackburn's name was the one that was in Rice's drawer that said that he, uh, um, was kind of speaking in code about like a prison break. Oh yeah. So. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Lord. <laughs> oh. Oh. Did you forget things. that? Did you forget that? No, no, no. Just. Right. Um. Yeah. This thing from Carlisle Blackburn. Yep. I thought to inform you. New prisoner recently brought into the dungeon. Oh, noble mouse. <laughs> Lizzie! What? what? Say what you gotta say. What's up, Lauren? Uh, Out with it, woman. Don't leave us all in suspense. <laughs> so, okay, remind me, Dusterna said something about um, political. What exactly did he say again about this whole thing? What he gathered from it? He gathered that Evelyn probably was, is, is, 
thinks Elaine is innocent. The lords are definitely putting feelers out to see if who is going to support her staying in power or who wants to shift it to Rice and is viewing this as a as a coup opportunity. And if there's enough lesser lords that are okay with the Rice thing, then the Lord's Council, even if they don't find evidence that she committed it, they might feel pressured to push Elaine out under exile and put Rice in power. You know, if there's enough of a protest amongst the other minor lords. All right, and Drianen said something about them collaborating. It definitely seemed like she's like, they are at least collaborating with, in terms of like, whether it's with the venerable, but they definitely are supporting Rice. It would be, it seems likely that they're somehow tied to the venerable or at least Rice's activities with the venerable. Mm -hmm. And what was this thing that um, Rice was exiled by Elaine? Does Hans and Franz ask that or do you ask that? Yeah, I don't think Hans and Franz heard it. So, sure. Um, Rianne, what do you mean Rice was exiled? I mean, he's he lives in the city. Um, let's Hans and, Hans and Franz roll me an insight check. Okay. I guess anybody can roll me, anyone can roll me an insight check. 24. Oh my god, I rolled an 18. <laughs> <laughs> That's the highest insight I've ever rolled. Yeah. <laughs> Never been above a 10. Um, I don't know if, if Felix and Una are rolling in Nora. I, I mean, am. Josh, Josh got a 24. Nora got an 18. Okay. Felix rolls low as usual. Okay. Everybody who got above a 16, because this is her deception check, uh, you can see, like, the... Rhiannon is very... Like, she has more of a darker complexion and stuff like that, so it's hard to tell, like, you know, when she loses color in her face when she's nervous. But there is a little bit of like her skin kind of gets like a little bit like paler looking and like her rigid, but she gives an answer that is very vague and distant and says, uh, over a year ago, uh, Rice did something to anger Elaine and she privately banished him on a diplomatic mission to Wolves Hearth. He just came back earlier this summer and spring to court, but it was seen as a diplomatic thing, but really she was just banishing him from court for a year. You can see her like start, she briefly starts to fidget with her braid, but then stops. Rowan will sort of cock his head, looking at her and say, uh, are, are you feeling okay? You, you look a little flushed. I'm fine. Why are you nervous, Rhiannon? I'm not nervous. You touched your braid, clear sign. Come on, we're all friends here. I mean, sort of. You don't have to be so political. Well, uh, something that uh, you actually said, Lady Rionin, uh did stir a bit of a memory for me. Elaine also requested that while I was in Wolfsars, that I investigate Feldspar a little bit because he was unhappy with current mining procedures. Also, he, she felt that he bent a little too easily when, uh, when, let's see, it's Bel Belmont? Who's yeah, from there? Yeah, your father, basically her dad, Bel. When, uh, when Belmont, uh, invaded pretty much. And I 
also investigated that. Perhaps there is a connection there since, well, Westwood is right next to the Iron Valley and your lands, Lord Disturnus, are also very, very close. And I don't know, perhaps there's some sort of uh, collusion going on since uh, if you were indeed out of the picture, it might be possible to get uh, to get uh, someone more in line with what Rice would like into your into the duster in his lands. Rianian seamlessly changes direction of the conversation with no nervousness or anything, and she says, uh, that would explain why Feldspar is so anxious. Maybe I have no idea what my father did to invade Wolf's Hearth years ago, which led to my wardship, but maybe there wasn't. He could have had an agreement with one of the border lords, so maybe he had an agreement with my father, and now he has an agreement with Rice, and maybe he's just nervous over which side he's going to come out on in this. But... Rice and my father don't seem to be in an alliance based on that letter that we received. Um, and Discernus, when you mention like somebody else coming and like taking like a more amenable who would be agreeable to Rice, you can see his like fist tighten and he just gets this really icy demeanor. And he says, that will be over my dead body. Does that happen? I think that's, I think that's the idea. <laughs> Oh my god. So he's like, well, I'll do my best to thwart it then. I won't have my land such polluted by filth running it. And then he says, um, I don't really have any further questions for you, but I will say, are you prepared uh, to take on the role of my steward? To Felix? Yes. Uh, as ready as I will ever be, Lord Sternis. And he says, Excellent. Your first task, which I'm sure Catan would have told you about, is making sure that the rug is handed over as the as our host gift for when we arrive. I will definitely summon you when that time comes. Felix nods. Um and Rhiannon actually like kind of just got up from like this the group and started going back to the carriage without really saying anything else. Aaron's got a face. Rice made a pass at Rihanna at one point, right? Oh, yeah. Multiple. Oh, oh, yes. So, like, as players, that is why Rice was banished, but That's Elaine didn't make it seem like it was because she didn't want what actually, like, his attempted rape of her to get out because it right. would have been, like, really bad for her reputation and awkward. So he, she private, she banished him. And that's why Rhiannon has such a visual. And for Elaine's reputation no, or Rhiannon's? for Rhiannon's reputation. Because she was... Did not accept a lord's... No. no, it was because she would have been found in a compromised position and like... God, that's victim blaming. Yeah. I know. 
And yeah. and Elaine couldn't, didn't want to make it known. So she was like, I'm banishing him and going to try my best to keep Rhiannon away from you. But I also can't just banish you and say, this is why, because then everyone's going to be like, well, what happened? Like, they seem so flirty together at parties. Are you sure? Or are you just trying to like cock block him from like courting somebody and she was into it? You know, like it would have been bad for her reputation. So Elaine had to do that sneakily is the best way possible, but... Uh, did Rihanna actually eat anything at lunch? No, she did not. If that's about the end of the conversation, I think Felix actually is going to grab like some stuff in a napkin and give it to Nora. Uh, in case Lady Rihanna gets hungry later. It's a good idea. I'll keep this. I'll also give okay. Nora a good berry as well. So... Nora just places it on top of the napkin and ties it up into a like, uh-huh. little bundle. I mean, all she has to eat is the one good berry and she'll feel full. So, because yep. yep. he's <laughs> the one thing. So if uh, if like uh, yeah, because like the only people who would know that technically that backstory from Rhiannon is Rowan, Nora, and Una because they were there in her room when she talked about it. Yep. Um, but and Felix knows about it because of overhearing gossip. Well, he knows something went on. Yeah, he doesn't know that he knows. Yeah. Hondatrons wants to know, so he has more reason to (laughs) break his his knees and or castrate (laughs) him. Oh, God. Uh, Felix, as you kind of are like packing up, you do hear uh, Rihanna's voice in your head and you assume she's using the message spell and she's like, Thank you for changing the subject, but no, I don't want to talk about it. And just that's what you get in your head. Uh, can he respond? Yeah, he can respond. But she's like, I don't want to talk about it. If that changes, I'm here. And that's that. <laughs> yeah. So she gets in the she's in the carriage. Kind of morose for the rest of the trip. But anybody doing anything else before you guys get back on the road? Um. Hans and Franz might as like check in with his fellow guardsmen and um, Anchu and Ross. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Sly, of course. Of course. Of course. Um, and um, see if uh, any of them they'll try to establish the helm persona. So, who of you would like a uh, Play in swordsmanship. The they like Ross and Anchu look at each other, uh, and they're like, uh, Anchu is like, "Are you trying to come off as green boy?" No, you're just... not in your you're not in your small clothes anymore. You need to have a little bit more confidence in how do you talk like that. Oh, you're talking my my presence. Yes. Uh, your request was a little bit uh infantile in ways, but you know, I think if you want to be a green knight that's perfectly fine. You can be somebody that we haven't had for very long. However, you don't have that look about you. You look more competent. So how would you challenge someone to a duel? Why are you challenging people to duel? You're supposed to be guarding your boss. Well, (laughs) I was just trying to be friendly and uh, Ross is like, aren't you? Don't be such a bastard. I mean, Hans and Franz at this point was just like, he like 
takes off a glove and throws it at Hanju. Does <laughs> it hit him in the hit him like in the chest or something? Just there. Is that good enough for you? I just don't understand your motives for why you're challenging people to fight when we're supposed to be guarding somebody. The only reason you need to be pulling out a dual glove like that is when you gotta defend your boss's honor, but that's only with her approval. And Ross is like, I know, he's he, he's not used to it. You're, you understand you're, you're going for a gallant role there, lad, and I admire it. I think that it can work. Um, my question is for information gathering and what we're doing. Why do you want to be challenging people to duels? And you can see like Ross is trying to be encouraging of this persona, but find a way to make it work. Oh, no, I didn't want to challenge. I wanted to just have a interaction with you beyond our training. It is lunchtime. We have eaten. Then before we head off, a little friendly competition. Oh, if you want to cross swords with me, laddie, I'll do it. But if you're going to be challenging people's duel, there should be a lot more. Well, I guess it depends. If you want to come off as a little bit of green and friendly and trick somebody into a fight and then maybe get the upper hand on them, then you could come off as green like you're doing now. But if you want them to actually be scared of you and like shit themselves, then you need to have a little bit more of the cold killer look. And he like, he's like, do you want me to demonstrate? How can I have a cold killer look? There's a mask. I will have my helm closed. I can see your, I can see, uh, Aunt, she was like, I can sense your, your tender heart behind the mask. It's not very, it's not very good at camouflaging. And Ross like slaps him in the arm, like, okay, stop, stop being so harsh. And he's like, it's more of, you got a mask. People can't see your face. Be quiet and radiate cold fury. And that's a pretty good way to be an intimidating guard. So I, sh I should just be intimidating all the time. If that's what you want. If you're trying to get people to underestimate you and maybe gossip with you or be approachable, I don't know if I'd go up and, and challenge them. I think I would go up and just I make I am not up. challenging people to duels, If, if you throw a glove at somebody... I wanted to have a friendly interaction with you before we headed off. You don't need to talk down to me, sir. Oh my god. Well, Auntie's the one being a little bit more rough with you, but yeah, Ross... I can't tell, you keep no, switching. I'm sorry. They they both have Scottish brogues, I'm sorry. Ross Ross is like, I I get it. It's if you want a friendly interaction, going up and and, and doing the glove thing is it's pretty, that that means a serious gesture. So I wouldn't do that if you want just to be people to spar. Just well, go up stop and... being so difficult then. Well, that was what you opened with. I'm just trying to I figure out your intention. I glove. I offered a friendly competition between my three guardsmen and you start talking down to me. Therefore, and he takes off his other glove Rowan, throws, Rowan it at, <laughs> throws it at the other one. Therefore, I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> what does Rowan do? I was gonna say before he like throws it, Rowan was gonna stop him and say, "Um, if 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 you're looking for someone to spar with, I, I could use some practice with the sword." After the glove falls to the ground, <laughs> Hans and Trons will look at Rowan. Yes, Sly, I accept your offer. Let us test your metal. Okay. And he'll walk 
a little bit away from the horses and have his scabbard still on his sword. Uh, Ross is like, would you mind if I watched? Sure. Love to see your Unless skill. you wish to hide behind a tree, be my guest. Uh, Antu takes his hat and he's like, I'll be guarding our lord and lady who are accompanying us and their maids and go back over uh, <laughs> to the... <laughs> Antu's a little bit of a surly bastard. Ross is a little bit more friendly and trying to be helpful. So he'll he'll watch you guys spar. So how do you want to do this, Aaron? Do you want to just do like high roll gets the hit? Sure. Okay. So we'll just do our regular attack and just okay. whoever gets the higher roll, it's kind of like we're striking and trying to get past each other's defenses. Yep. So it's just high roll uh, wins. Okay. Um, in this case, since my longsword is generally magical, I won't be using the magic portion of it. Okay. Um, so it'll just be, for me, it'll just be a plus six to hit. Ooh, I've got a plus seven. Oh, I only got an 11. Oh, I rolled a natural one. <laughs> oh, we stumbled on our first our first interaction. It's, it's perfectly in character for the like who you're playing as knights, though. Yeah, I've keep been... your keep your feet under you, Sly. Oh, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll try again. <laughs> Dang, it's 10. Hey, I also got a 10, but I got 17. Oh, no, I got 10 total. Oh, <laughs> I got the right form now. There you go. That's <laughs> more like it. Okay. <laughs> and again. I think I, I think I'm getting this. Fifteen. Jeez. Fourteen. <laughs> Best three out of five. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> I get a seventeen again. <laughs> Jeez. Well, Sly, your swordsmanship needs no improvement. Mine, on the other hand, and Hans and Franz will just kind of like <laughs> stomp away. Thank you for the tips, Helm. They'll just like re, re not re sheathe because it's already sheathed, but like re, yeah, just tie the sword back on. Rehip it. <laughs> Rehip it. <laughs> Sheathe his sword. Mmm, it's unsheathed. And Rowan will just go back to his horse. Megan, did you want any RP interactions with your people? Because Rowena does a bow and arrow, and I was thinking of having her talk to you about archery stuff. But... I mean, passively, yeah. I don't think that my character would be asking them too many questions because she okay. herself doesn't want to be asked too many questions. Uh, yeah, you can tell that their main concern is they want to keep Lord Disturnus and Rhiannon alive. Yeah. And, and the rest of you, like, there's a level, like, they have a camaraderie and they, they're viewing you guys as skilled to some extent, but there's a level of, like, a... They, they view it as their job to protect people. So, like, they're viewing you a little bit as protection. Like, they're supposed to look out for you, too. Yeah. Um, Rowena is more of the social one. She's, she's a little bit like Una, very bubbly, but she doesn't really have secrets to hold, so she'll kind of just talk to you about things and... She, she likes horse riding. She likes archery. Uh, she's interested in like your survival skills because she doesn't know how to like, you know, do a lot of the survival-y stuff other than like, oh, I know how to set up a camp, but you know, I don't, I'm not good at making traps and stuff like that. So she's very much interested in like talking to you, bubbly, energetic, but she's enjoying talking to you about you as a, as a hunter and stuff like that. So. Well, of course, who wouldn't want to talk to me about hunting? <laughs> yeah. And she'll playfully ask you, so I... I don't think we're 
we're gonna have time, but maybe, 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 if things go really well and we get to, we'll have to compete in the archery tournament with against each other, or, you know, joint win for the people we work for. I was thinking about that, and I think that would be very fun. I promised one of my friends that I was going to do that before I left, but unfortunately I didn't have time. But he's also shortbow and I'm longbow. Are you a shortbow or longbow? Or uh, she's longbow. longbow. She's a longbow. So that we had the advantage. Yes. She's like, well, we'll have to keep our eyes out for trouble, but hopefully there's a chance for a little bit of fun. It'd be, it'd be very satisfying to win the prize representing Lord Disternus and Lady Rhiannon, showing that they employ talented people. But of course, how else do we show off their prowess for them? Uh... And she's like, not many other ways. That's actually one of the reasons why some lords bring more armed servants is because, or more skilled servants, I should say, because they want to have them show off their talent in contests and feats. So, but we're here on a more important mission, so that might not happen. But if it does, I do want to go, I do, would like to shoot with you. Um, but yeah, she'll make small talk with you. And then um, Nora... Do you do anything after like lunch is kind of dispersed and Rihanna just kind of goes off to the carriage by herself? Uh, Nora would excuse herself politely and head off to follow Rihanna. Okay. And she'll knock on the carriage door lightly. Rihanna, are you in there? Uh, she, she says, you can come in, Nora, if it's just you or Una. It is just me. She'll climb in the little handkerchief of food that she has behind her. Um, we noticed you didn't eat anything. I want to make sure that you're not hungry. She'll hand over the food. Una also stuck a good berry in there. He smiles at it. No, just for safe measure. She says, I don't feel like I can eat, but I know I should since I have to survive the night ahead of me. The good berries for in case you're not super hungry, at least then you can know you're getting everything you need. She like takes a she takes the good berry and eats it and she says, I don't wanna be lightheaded tonight. And are you feeling okay? Not really, but anything on your mind that you wanted to talk about? I'm a little worried. You're not usually down like this. I think just I thought I was strong enough to do this, and now the closer we get, the harder it's becoming. Strong enough to face rice? You, I told you, I told you what happened between us, and that was why he was banished. I understand. I would find it difficult to face somebody like that, too, if I had an experience like that. But it's only for a little while. It's not permanent. And we're all here for you. You're not alone in it, at least. It just feels like I'm going to have to start repressing this part of my soul that was enjoying things again to be fake happy. I'm going to have to let him dance with me tonight. Well, I'm going to have to. That. I feel your pain. And she reaches over and touches Rayanin's hand, like, like comfortingly. Like, I'm so sorry that you have to deal with this. I mean... If it helps any, technically we're kind of on a mission to figure stuff out. 
You're like a spy at this point. Being a spy is pretty awful <laughs> feeling right now, but I wonder how I wonder how some people do it. We press the feelings? Be a spy when they have to go be nice to people they can't stand. <laughs> it takes a lot of effort, I'm sure. It's very exhausting. But just remember that if we keep level heads now, we can probably, if he's truly the one behind all of this, we'll be able to take him down with whatever we find. So just try to think positively on what the end goal is. It might help get you through those tough moments. And don't forget, you can always come to me or Una or any of us if you ever need us. If you need to escape for a little bit and rant about whatever he's telling you. Uh, she like smiles and like squeezes your hand back and uh, gives you a hug and says, it is nice knowing I'm not going into battle alone. You're definitely not alone. She'll give her a nice hug. Mm -hmm. Just silence for a moment as you guys hug each other. And you can definitely tell that Rhiannon's like one of her love languages is physical touch. And she smiles and she's like, well, at least I know I get one dance with the person tonight I actually want to dance with. Will be very nice, I'm sure. Wonder? Never really. Has he danced with you before? Only when we were all together in front of, uh, yeah, when we all went camping together, that was it. Oh, and right. I did show him a couple dances when we were talking about being an ambassador, but, um, I'm glad he at least has some background so he's not going to be completely off guard with, I'm sure there's some sort of, um, customary dances. I'll just have to observe and figure them out, I'm sure. We learned a little bit, but it'll be interesting for sure. I'm sure that's going to be very nice, though. She, like, smiles and nods, and she's like, and you should get out and dance, too, but I'm going to warn you, be careful with how you act around noblemen, especially. I'm just a maid. That makes it more dangerous in some ways. Oh, if anyone makes you uncomfortable and tries to... I think Septima is going to be... From what I know about her, Septima has no problem with that sort of thing, and she'll give someone a black eye if they need it. But if anyone's making you uncomfortable, just tell them that your lady insists chastity amongst her women who serve her. So mm, probably will help. Keep that in mind. Thank you. You can see that Nora's like got that like look of like... <laughs> like that meme of the lady doing math in her head. <laughs> like she's trying to figure out like how the heck am I going to navigate this? <laughs> I know. Like um, honestly, that's very terrifying. Oh, I think Lucy and I have talked about this a little bit, and I'm like, how is Nora going to react to all of this? <laughs> um, yeah, that's it for the conversations. On the road again. I just can't wait to get on the road again. I'm just traveling here with my friends. So the rest of the journey is relatively smooth. Um, you do manage to see as you head towards Meyerfield. Uh, it's a little bit clearing up finally, like the rain, the drizzle is letting up. Uh, after roving hills and scattering of trees, 
and pale mountains to your west, the land declines and flattens into golden rows of wheat that spread out for miles before you. In the distance, you can see a looming keep resting on a small mound with towning buildings surrounding the structure. But unlike last time you went through Meyerfield, which was barren in terms of decorations, it was just dotted with houses and, um, you know, people moving about, this time it is packed with villagers. There are tents around, vendors, everything. It looks like outside the town itself, there's a lot of like makeshift housing things where it's no banners or anything. It's just like people coming to stay in from the local thorps and hamlets that are much further outside the land. Um, the streets themselves have areas sectioned off with ropes and stands have been created. Fall flowers, vessels with sweet smelling oil and wines, beautiful jewelry are all for sale. And you see that there's a lot of decorations and like gift bag things where people are handing out chestnuts, like bags of chestnuts and then fruit cakes. So this town is like popping, like people have decorations out. You can also see that a lot of people look like they're starting to set up like areas for bonfires as well. Fruit cakes. <laughs> is this place addicted to re-gifting? Uh, make a history check? Or, no, actually, religion check. Religion or history. Ten. You're not sure. You know that fruitcakes are... Some people really like them. They can be good for stamina and healthiness, so... I don't know. Maybe people need to party hard. My joke pertained to American culture of re-gifting oh, a thing Christmas. Cakes, I know, yeah. but I'm just saying Hans and Franz could have known something about the, the significance of like fruitcakes and chestnuts, but this is this is the festival of lovers. Matchmaking. So, yeah, so I guess needing stamina would be important. Yeah. Skeep. Gotta, gotta get your nuts. It's <laughs> <laughs> nuts instead of a pickle vendor. It's a nut vendor. Anyone want to try my nuts? <laughs> Fresh nuts for your pleasure. Nuts you can hold in your hand. Smooth and firm. Or we have some of those rougher ones if you're into that. Anyway, yeah, that's the yeah. nut vendor. There's yep. fruitcakes and nuts. Yep, fruitcakes and nuts. There's some oils, perfumes, lots of fall flowers and stuff kind of being sold in arrangements and stuff to be given to people. A lot of stands it looks like in town where there's going to be... Um, Things to buy for gifts, but also pragmatic things like you need food, you need some water. Um, there's also, it looks like a couple stands set up with, um, it looks like they have some sort of like star charts and stuff around them. And like book, like ledgers and stuff like that. So not really sure what that's about. Um, so when we're like coming into town, mm -hmm. Are we going down the like the main drag where all the booths and vendors yep. and stuff are? Yep, you're going through. There's only one really main road for town. So yes, that goes towards the keep and then curves off and goes around the bog eventually. So um, did Lord Disternus tell us like where we were staying? You're staying with him. He said that you guys have tents that you're staying in and he is making sure you don't stay. We're not staying in the keep. Okay, so, but we're, like, on the the grounds. You're going to be on the keep grounds, but... Gotcha, but not inside the keep walls. He told you he, you were staying in, in, uh, side his, inside his tent. Um, like, in one of his pavilions. Um... Okay, all right. So, because before you guys were kind of staying in the house with all the knights, like, on the, the castle grounds, yeah. you know, yeah. so... Mm -hmm. Um... 
As you go to the keep, you can see that the keep is in a Monton Bailey style. So there is an outer wooden wall that completely encompasses it. There looks like there is some buildings inside of it and there's a bunch of like lords, tents and pavilions set up uh, with banners. It looks mostly like men at arms and knights walking around outside and some servants in this lower courtyard, as well as some like battlements and stuff like that, stables. Um, and it is just bustling with activity. But going up the Mountain Bailey to the keep itself, that is up about, hmm, trying to think of the hill size, probably a good like 40 to 50 foot tall hill that you kind of have to like walk up. And to the keep itself, the walls are about 30 feet tall, made of stone. And that is the outer walls of it. Um, up the hill, you can see that there are guards and they are looking down at your approaching party and they they like wave and then kind of like turn and start yelling like, Lord Astonis's party is arriving! Which, and then it, you can hear it kind of like echoing in further back, like they're relaying messages. Um, so people are out to greet. Um, and the way that this is set up is Lord Disturnus is walking towards the front with his guards and the rest of the servants are mostly trailing behind and the carriage is in the back as well. Um, you guys ride up on your horses. Uh, as you ride up to the actual keep itself, you can see tall windows are scattered amongst this building. The walls are, symmetri are symmetrical and there's circulations for, uh, or cellarations for archers and artillery. You can tell that this has been used more so as a fortress of protection and a stronghold in the past. This is not like Elaine's decorative palace. This building is old and it's been used for battle before. Um, basically the outer, inside the outer walls, there is... I just keep picturing Winterfell. <laughs> not just that big, the not keep, that Put the keep on a hill. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you guys make your way inside the inner courtyard, you can see that there is... It's nestled in between the inner keep and a four-tower outer walls where there are towers to look down and keep an eye out for trouble. There are smaller buildings in this courtyard that are some, some of them are attached to the main keep, some of them are attached to these outer protective stone walls. Um, and you can see that the earth beneath your feet is very dug up and well trotted, especially from the rain. There's no grass growing, like this area is well traveled through. Um, between all of the foot traffic, you can see guards circling the 30 foot walls above you. People are laughing, servants are carrying objects back and forth. There's a few knights and men at arms sparring in the yard and they're just, it smells like earth, but it also smells like civilization. It smells like this is a busy cave with a lot of activity going on around here. Um, so yeah, basically as you are riding up to the main entrance of the keep, you can see that Outside there standing is um, somewhat of an entry party. You can see the notable Lord Rice Eris standing out there dressed finely in a red and gold tunic um, and very nicely dressed in general. He looks confident and charming. He's smiling. Um, standing next to him, you can see that there is a younger woman, probably like 24 with black hair and blue eyes. Um, definitely 
doesn't like she she's dressed pretty nicely she's wearing gold and orange um and appears to kind of be there helping attend and manage like you know as like an official greeter and then um standing next to him as well is another woman probably in her like you would guess 40s like early 40s but very beautiful looking with black hair and green eyes and she's very refined and confident and she is not she's dressed nicely and you can see that there's like a a chain of office around her neck um like what a steward would have and she is not dressed as like a noble but it's like this is a higher ranking servant that looks like they're overseeing the operations and stuff um so yeah, they walk up and uh, Desternus dismounts and goes up to greet Rice. And Rice says, "My, your grace, what an honor it is for you to make the trek out here to Meyerfields when you have no business going back home so soon. It's always a delight to see you outside of court situations and to have you in my own home is quite an honor. Desternus says, I apologize about the late RSVP. Um, and he says, it is an honor to be welcome to your home. And then he motions to Felix. Who gets the rug. Hans and Franz will... Uh, and, I, uh-huh. Sly, help me. Uh, is it like a large rug? Uh, it's probably like a six by eight foot rug. So it's it's decent size. You know, it's like for a, like a sitting room or something, you know. It's green and gold patterned. It's pretty nice looking. It's not shitty looking. It's actually a decent gift, surprisingly. Um, and uh, Discerner says, I hope you accept my host. This is my gift to you as my host. And uh, Rice is, is like, oh, such generosity from you is always noted. Um, and the young woman standing next to him gives like a curtsy to Lord Disturnus and she says, Lord Desternus, I'm glad to see you doing well. What a lovely gift. I think I know the exact room I will put this in in the castle. It will go with other decorations I am working on accumulating. Uh, and then she like uh, motions and she's like, Vil, will you tell the servants to put this in the upper stairs bedroom that we're cleaning out at the moment and will be used for future purposes? And then Vil says, of course, my lady, I will have attendants come grab it and bring it up. And she kind of looks, mm, she looks over both uh, Rowan and Hans and Franz, like a little bit of a, hmm, like checking them out a bit. I mean, he's got it on his shoulder yeah. and just kind little, of, you know, a little bit, a little bit checking there. them out. Uh, my abs aren't showing through my, my armor, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> She says, I would hate to overburden your your men with taking care of this. And then she's like, let me go find some servants who can help carry that up. And uh, the woman who is standing, she, she leaves to go kind of like make sure there's somebody to take the, the rug upstairs. And then Lila says, now, because uh, he, he Desternus greets this woman as Lila. And she says, I understand that you plan on sleeping in a pavilion. I hope you know that's not necessary, Your Grace. You are perfectly welcome to stay in the keep. We can always have room for you and Lady Rhiannon. And he says, well, we have a bit of a late RSVP and I'd hate to put you out. Besides, it's not really an inconvenience. I have amenities to make it worth the stay. And Rice is like, 
I swear to you, the castle is not haunted, despite the best stories that people have said over the years. Speaking of, do I get any weird feelings? Being around him? Just like we're in Meyerfield and we're deep in oh, Meyerfield. Sure. Uh, yeah, that uneasiness is, is still lingering, you know, that you felt before. Like you don't have a headache, but when you came through here before on the way back, you were like, I just don't. Some just doesn't feel right. I just I just don't like it here, especially now that you're in like over like the keep area. Like it's much stronger. You're like, oh, this is like just easy, just a little uneasy. Yeah. It's like when you're in an area where you're like, I'm pretty sure that like there's some sort of murder that happened here or like just ghost stories. Ha it just doesn't feel right. You're like, mm -hmm. I, I can't see anything. I just get this weird sense. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I already didn't believe a word he said, but now it's just like, <laughs> mm, yeah, not haunted, right? But yeah, basically, uh, Lila says, well, when Vil comes back, if you're planning on not staying in the keep, I'll have her escort you to a place where you can set up your pavilion in the yard with the other knights, if that suits you. Um, and he says, that would be good. And then um, Roy says, would... Lady Rion and her maids like to freshen up in the keep. We do have facilities for that. And he says, I will see what her desires is once we unpack everything. Um, and Lila says, of course. Well, I hope you forgive us, but we must go see the other guests and please make sure you arrive in time for dinner so we can seat you properly. And I will send somebody to help give instructions of where your servants and men at arms can eat as well. And she like curtsies and Rice kind of like does like a bow thing, polite and, and Desternus bows as well. And then uh, Vil comes back with two other like uh, castle, like they just look like servants and she gestures where to, for the Wait, what do servants look like? Uh, they're Are just you profiling? Like, yes, they're two nondescript <laughs> young men who look like they could carry a rug up, this, up into the castle. Um, Okay. Strapping young and lads. Strapping young lads. <laughs> and Just kind of, you know, hand that off, like shoulder, shoulder pass. Um, while Rice is in front of us, mm -hmm. um, underneath the, the mailed glove mm -hmm. that he wears, Hans and Franz has like slipped, slipped his fingers back out of the chain portion so that the the actual mm -hmm. chain fingers are just kind of hanging limp there and he's just like white knuckle fists just through the helm staring rice down off the bad vibes i'm sending he he, he is sending all of the bad vibes <laughs> at rice <laughs> thinking to himself if it's if this place isn't haunted i'll make it haunted <laughs> i love it so Vil comes back and uh, Rice tells her, Vil, uh, please do show Lord Discernus a place in the in the in the courtyard where he can set up his pavilion. And she's like, of course. And then Lila says, and make sure you give instructions for when dinner will be and any other important events. And she's like, of course, my lady. Uh, and she goes to Lord Discernus, come, I'm afraid your horses will have to walk a bit slower since I am on foot, but I will happily show you where you can set up your tent. And he's like, I'll walk beside you then to be polite and gentlemanly. 
and then it kind of like they walk back down like the the entryway uh and she goes into like the more the outer pavilion area outside the stone walls where there's or the outer courtyard where there's just wood kind of bare, like a wood fence and stuff like that and she takes you over to like a place um where it's there's some other tents set up somewhat nearby, but it is got a little bit of privacy. Like you're about like 40 feet away from another like tent full of kind of just some knights and some men at arms and whatever and stable people. Um, and she says, are you sure this will work? We can make room in the castle for you if you really want it. And he's like, oh, no, we I, I know your lord and lady would never say it, but... I know what it's like for when someone RSVPs late and it just throws everything into a tizzy. This is my way of being a gracious guest. And she's like, you are always very thoughtful, Lord Disturnus. Um, And she basically says, well, I'm afraid I would love to stay and chat. Maybe we can catch up later and I can tell your servants uh, where to stay. But dinner will be at 7 p.m. Dinner is going to be starting at 6 p.m. tonight. And before that, there will be a blessing ceremony for the wheat out in the square if you wish to go see it. Um, the local priest is performing it, as well as some of the visiting priests from um, Fein who follow the god Faunus. Just to start off the festival, um, your servants, and I don't believe we can fit all of them, but we can fit some of your, some of your servants into the dinner in the below the salts in the corners if they wish to. Um, preferably the ones you would need to have nearby. Um, and he nods and he says, and then you and Lady Rhiannon, I will have to double check the seating arrangements on. But it would be great if you showed up a little bit before 6 p.m. so we can announce your entrance. And he says, I know the customs and thank you for the timing. Um, and I'll Leah, to go start setting up, it's probably like about 3.34ish, you know? You guys left early enough so you'd get there at a decent time. Um, and then he kind of, the like claps his hands and he says, all right, let's set up the tents. And everyone kind of like, all of his knights and stuff start getting up to like, get busy, set up tents, blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah, more muscle flexing. Una, you and the other two who are helping with the horses go over to take care of them in the stables, which are in this area. And basically, not long after you come back and you guys are midway setting up this tent, it kind of looks a little bit like it's a pavilion and there's like some sectioned off areas. And then he basically orders uh, Taskill and another one of his service named Murdog stand guard. And he's like, all right, I apologize for keeping the secret, but I'll be showing you to our real accommodations, which is where we will be able to discuss things more freely. And I ask that you ask my permission before messing about with things. And he um, ends up like pulling out a little bit of a, it kind of just looks like a bobble, like a little, like a little cat bobble. A poor key! Uh, and he starts turning like a lock on it, it seems like it's like a puzzle piece. And then finally, like all of a sudden, like there's like, you can see like in a, a little, a door that appears like a outline of a door. And then he opens it and he says, well, it's time to freshen up for dinner. 
And then you guys can all go inside. Is this more Kenan's mansion? It might be. Anzatrons <laughs> <laughs> will look to Una. When are you going to learn that? <laughs> There's a reason I'm with the horses. Oh. <laughs> so you guys make your way inside and it is a literal mansion. It looks like it's a foyer into a house. There are some windows that make it look like it's outside and pleasant with some sort of rolling hills in the background and some craggy cliffs. And it's a very beautiful, picturesque area outside the windows. Uh, the entryway is very understated and but elegant. The You know, the walls are, are look to be painted like white and there's some limited decoration, some vases but there's not really some fine elaborate gold rugs. Um, it leads, that entryway leads into a foyer receiving area and then a dining room and then past there, there's a living room and then past there, there is a training and sparring ring. And then um, right around the area when you come in where there goes to the dining room and the living room, there's stairs that look like they go upstairs and he says, I will have my servant show you to your sleeping arrangements while you're in here. This can be our base of operations to plan things and also make sure that you do sleep a little bit here comfortably. Morna kind of motions for you guys to go upstairs to where your rooms are. So you basically get, you pass through this dining, this, um... Uh, Felix does think Lord Disturnus, you know, just for putting them in here. He's like, well, I appreciate the thank you. It seems smarter than having us in the keep. Might make sneaking out a little bit easier. Rowan is just looking around like mouth agape. <laughs> it's like you're in a noble's townhouse, basically. Yeah, but it's magic. Yeah, it's magic. So upstairs, uh, Morna shows you guys the group has a wing um, and it has basically some private bedrooms. And then she takes, like, just across the hall, like, Rhiannon has her own big-ass fancy room and stuff like that. And she's, Morna says, we'll be sleeping closer in that side of the wing to Lord Disturnus's, but if you really want to steal one of the other bedrooms over here, if you need more room, I think you will be able to. Anything that you're not supposed to get into, I think, is locked. And then she kind of, like, walks back a little ways towards, like, the wing side that Disturnus has, and then she like jiggles one of the door handles and she's like, yep, anything that you can't get into is locked. So I, there should be some baths and stuff in here. You can make it as homey as you want. Although I would recommend not getting too homey. We don't know if we're going to have to get the hell out of Dodge really quickly. Where, where's Dodge? Oh, it's a, it's kind of an expression in the Fey realm. Uh, there's the city called Dodge and- Azifranz <laughs> just looks to Rowan and Nora with a raised eyebrow. Uh. <laughs> uh, she's telling the truth, I presume, at this, right? Uh, make an insight check? Oh, Lizzie, you know I suck. Yeah, I suck. Six. Yeah, she's, she seems to be telling the truth. Can Nora do a history check to see if she recalls being told about this? Sure. It's a high DC, because it's going to be something in the from the Fey realm, so... Luckily, Nora is proficient in history. Yeah. Well, that's a 17 on the die. Okay, with a 17, you do remember your mom. It's a 22 total. 
Oh God, yeah. Okay, your mom <laughs> has used this expression before. It's like a weird saying of like, there was a city that was really prosperous until it wasn't. And then it's kind of like an expression of like, we need to get out of here before this like collapses. So, okay. <laughs> so she's familiar with it. Nora will I just suppose nod. RSVP also comes from mm-hmm. the Fey realm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. No, Nora just nods uh, when she not- like she'll notice Hans and Franz giving her a quizzical look. Mama says it all the time. Okay. There's just like, you know, something inside me that's telling me it doesn't, this isn't real. Well, I could tell you the story about it sometime if you'd like. Sure. Yeah, RSVP actually comes from the phrase, uh, respond to the Sylvan, please. Uh, (laughs) But it's just too long, so they shorten it. Yes. (laughs) I'm never considering it anything else. (laughs) So you guys have like a little bit of time to like just refresh or set up your rooms and whatever if you wanted after being on the road all day. Done. Awesome. Right? Yeah, Rowan doesn't have anything to freshen up. Hans and Franz will, you know, rinse to to take care of, you know, the wear of the road, get some fresh linens and suit up again. I suppose my clothes might be dirty. I'll use prestidigitation to clean myself up a bit. There you I'm go. curiosity, are you guys going to like have like a giant, because you kind of have like a big entryway area, like a little sitting room, and then you have some like collective private rooms in this suite. Mm-hmm. Are you going to bunk together? Like, because there's the beds are big enough for like a couple of you to share a room together if you wanted, or are you going to all have your own individual rooms? It's not that it matters other than you just have options. Probably Hans and Franz would take his own room. Is he going to be talking to himself all night in the voice of Helm, <laughs> trying to practice that cold fury? I would um, probably stay with Nora if it's acceptable. No one's going to judge. <laughs> yeah, but if, if, yeah, if, if that's okay with her, basically. Considering we're not having to put up a ruse here, she would be like, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, I guess I would just stay close to the group. Uh, Felix will definitely take. Uh, room of his own. He's also going to take a bath since he's supposed to be an opera level servant. Not a bad idea. You, you guys get like a knock on your door um, and it's Sophia and Rihanna and, and they're like, do you care if we s- crash with you guys? On whose door? Your door. Our, our you share your suite. Oh, it's a it's a suite section. Okay. Yep. Yeah. We have a com- we have a common room and then there's rooms off of the common I room. I see, I see, I see. By all means. Yeah, I imagine um, Andrew's uh, well, feathers, I imagine, is falling all over himself. To, to they want to sleep <laughs> yeah. okay. okay, since Andrew isn't here, I'm going to just assume that she's in her own room for now. We'll just, we'll just, I'm sure here. Sophia would be like, no, my lady. <laughs> so, Sophia, Sophia has her own room. And oh. Rihanna has her own room. Like there's, the, this is like a sweet wing, and especially since, since it Rowan is a magnificent mansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is literally a magnificent mansion. This is a magnificent mansion. Make it, may, actually, guys, make an insight. Check. I will never be able to get this spell. Sorry, guys. I know, <laughs> I know. Fifteen. Twenty-one. What is that, Aaron? Is that a one? Natural That's one. a natural one. Nora got I, a twenty-one. So I ain't yeah. no jack shit. Um, I'm a 15. What, Lauren? Lauren. Nope. I rolled a nat one as well, Aaron. Thanks to Google. Go to D&D Beyond. 
Insight. Why are, do you keep calling insight, Lizzie? Can't I at least try with advantage or something? Uh, perception. I. It's fine. I, can I go with perception? No, it's more insight. <laughs> For those of you who jo- who got above a uh, fifteen, you know you've been in in the palace. You've been in Rhiannon's room at the school, and you've been in Rice's ha- townhouse. Everything here doesn't seem as opulent as you would expect. Like, it's a nice mansion, but the style just is really, like, understated, where it doesn't have, like, all of the ornate detailings of gold and everything in it. And honestly, like, a lot of the... It's practical. Well, it's weird, though, because a lot of the decorations don't really seem to have a unifying theme. They seem a little bit random. Like, there's not, like, oh, yeah, this is the green flower room. It's, like, this room might have, like sort of like a tapestry of this, but then another room has a tapestry of this and they are like completely different things, maybe like similar styles, but you know, like it's just, it's very like, it's just eclectic and it doesn't, like it's nicely made stuff, but none of it seems like he bought this to be fancy. It just has like a, feels like weirdly like, just kind of random shit. (laughs) Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, the the spell is more of like he kind of decides mm-hmm. what's in it, right? Yeah. Not like and he, he can put he his furnishes own... it. Well, he can for you can furnish it with your own stuff too if you want okay. it to. It's not just like a I I want this in my brain. I want you this to be there. It. Yeah. Okay. But it just seems oddly like I don't know. It's not as ornate as you would expect. For a, okay. a marquee, you're like, this is weird. There's a lot of weird, random decor in here. Like one room has a tapestry of like sheep, sheep in it, like rolling over hills. Another one has like a unicorn. Another one has like a star pattern, you know, like of a night sky. Another one looks like it's a rendering of somewhere in maybe the Feywild. There's no like, oh yes, this is showing off my amazing decorative skills. Hmm. So, anyway. Fully noted. Also, just because I can, this is totally what Rhiannon is wearing. If you type into Google, um, armor dress, it's like the first result. That is gorgeous. Good lord. I know. It's like every girl's fantasy dream. It's like, this is what what I'm going to wear when I have to pull my sword out and slay the enemy. It's (laughs) what I wish I could wear every single day without question. Yeah. So it's it's really I mean, modest. If you wore it, I'm pretty sure yeah. no one would question you. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, you have a very good point, sir. Maybe I should just you know invest what? like maybe yep. I should just get rid of my entire closet and invest in armor dresses. Yep. 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 You know what? There's you clearly a reason she's wearing that. that, and I don't know if I want to ask it. I'll she's just going let it in, be. She's going into battle. <laughs> fucking wild. So the other thing that's interesting too, and you guys would have this choice whether you do it or not, but for, as ladies maids, um, women of the Meyer Empire tend to wear some sort of like veils. They don't tend to have their hair completely like out and and like exposed. That's more of considered the modern face style and it's a little bit scandalous because like the veils are kind of associated with being a little bit more modest. So she's actually wearing more. You've seen her normally wear her hair down, and but she's wearing it actually more covered. And it's a veil that specifically has like embroidery of birds and stuff on it, where it's clearly supposed to be like 
a herald veil, kind of representing that she's who she is. So it feels like there's some sort of weird political shenanigan messaging going on here, but you're not 100% sure what it is. Noble nonsense. Noble nonsense. Always. Uh, Disternus gathers you guys before he goes to dinner, and he says, Right, so, some of you all will be coming in with us, and we'll be having dinner together um, as servants. I'll leave it up to you. I know that you two, and he points to Hans and Franz and Rowan, it will be expected for you to be nearby and sitting with the other men-at-arms at the table. Um, and the ladies' maids would be in there as well in case Rihanna needs something. Um, and he kind of looks to Una. Um, I understand that you have some spying skills. Would you prefer to be one of the people inside the manor, or would you prefer to be out in the stables gathering information there? Preferably out in the stables. I will have some eyes in the mansion, though. He kind of, like, raises an eyebrow, like, oh, that will be very helpful in case we want to have some reinforcements come in from outside for any reason. Yes, Nora will be able to inform me if it's an emergency. Otherwise, I will hopefully be able to see it as well. He, like, nods and he says, that sounds like a plan. All right, I trust the rest of you to stand guard, do socializing, Try to see if there's any rumors of anything suspicious out there. The rest of us going in, remember what we're here for. Try to remember how to be servants and we'll either all be heroes by the end of this or traitors. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Nora has like all of the color <laughs> runs out of her face. She's like, oh God, I didn't think of that. Rhiannon steals herself and she says, you have to at least dance with me once tonight. And he says, well, of course, I'm here guarding you, but I would not spare you from all the attentions of the men in the room. Well, save maybe one, but... And then uh, Felix is also expected to come inside as the steward, so he'll be sitting at one of the tables, so... I thought as much. Yep. Right. So he leads you guys. Um, do you go to the wheat blessing ceremony or no? I would like to. Okay just because of whatever happened early on. We know what as well, just to see what's being said. Cause uh, knowing that Rowan has some sort of connection, she's curious oh, yeah. if it's like some sort of spell mm -hmm. that they're casting in order to bond spirits here. Okay. Yeah, Nora would want to go too. Okay. Like, I feel like it's, there's either some, something or, mm -hmm. or it's literally just like, or Bless the harvest. Hope it goes well. Thank you, gods. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rihanna stays and is getting ready for the night, so she's not going to the harvest blessing thing with you. And uh, Disternus will—he's mm, probably going to go make his rounds about the yard and stuff. So this is all four of you going. Felix, are you going too? He's actually going to stay behind as well. In the manor, or like wander in the yard. Uh, I think he wants to talk to Rhiannon and check up on her. Okay. You guys go outside the keep and the rain has let up. It's definitely still kind of overcast skies. Um, and you can see there's a lot of bustling around the edges of the fields north of the city. Um, and it looks to, you can, uh, give me a perception checks. 12. 17. Okay. 13, passive of 15. 17. 
With your passive of 15, Una, even you spot Father Neri. He looks like he's getting ready. He's wearing um, some sort of like sacramental robes and he has, um, he's standing like near some, by the edges of where this field starts. Um, there are some like bonfires set up and there look to be some other priests and they're not wearing the iconography of Elios. They seem to be wearing some other sort of like garb. Um, as somebody who's been around in Feyen for a while, you know that the iconography that the Elias priests wear usually has to do with sun and also sometimes scrolls because it has to do with law and order and growth. And the other ones are wearing orange sashes and their their robes are decorated with embroidery that has, it looks to be actually like daggers on them, like daggers and hearts. Um, and you recognize that as being associated with the priest to the god Faunus, which is the god of lust, desire, and pleasure. So he's one of the two love gods that the Meyer Empire follows. He's the masculine personification of love. You can see that they're kind of around, looks like they're helping Father Neri and standing by the fires. We, we know what type of festival this is, right? Oh yeah, you know this is a matchmaking festival. Okay. You're like, you know it's it to the god sense. Faunus. So. <laughs> You just kind of can see, oh, there's a little bit of cross collaboration here of like, there's normally, it's a harvest village. It's a village that has a lot of wheat stuff. So it makes sense they worship Elios, but this is his festival. So like they're, they're tag teaming it. <laughs> when you're, when came you're- to town for the same birthday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like it's, it's not like, you know, the denominations of like how we have Christianity and stuff like that, where it's like very much like, no, we have it right. And this is how it is. It's like, they're very polytheistic. So it's like, oh yeah, this is this God's holiday, but also this is blooming at the same time. So we're going to like co-collaborate and stuff like that. So weird people can respect other people's gods. Only in works of fiction. Well, they're all part of the same pantheon. So, right. So as, as the time kind of like the, the evening gets a little bit closer to happening and it gets closer to five, uh, Lord Rice appears out with his, uh, the woman you saw earlier who was dressed very well, um, Vil as discussed. And then this time you see a man probably in his like mid thirties with like sandy blonde hair, looks a little sulky. He just has a moody and sulky looking face. And he is dressed in the iconography of the Carlisle family crest, which is just the, the thing of wheat. Mm -hmm. um, and he is standing with um, the dark haired woman who seemed to be like kind of in her mid twenties from earlier that was greeting you who dressed nicely. They kind of look like they coordinate and are standing there and Rice is kind of there to open the, open the festival and he addresses the townspeople. There's a lot more people here. Like Meyerfield normally has like a thousand people in it. There's probably closer to like 3000 people here. And he does a general speech, like welcoming people from like the local villages and all those who followed their Lords here and wishes to turn it over to the holy men to make sure that the festival is started on the right foot in the eyes of gods and men. And then he hands it over to Father Neri and the other priests, and they kind of do some blessings and like pray over the wheat and b ask for like protection for the year and making sure that disease doesn't come on the lands and that they continue to light the way forward, even as the year grows dark and to honor the fact that the sun is setting and it is now time for people to grow closer together as the cold months come and hearts match together, they're going to light the fires to kind of like 
honor the gods. So everyone like cheers and like the priests go out and like light all these like rows of bonfires kind of near the fields. Um, and it just seems to be like a whole thing. And inside the bonfires, you can see some people are like throwing like bags of chestnuts, flowers, oils, like, you know, they're doing stuff to kind of like show like some sort of like sacrifice, like here's a prayer offering I'm throwing in for a good year and a good harvest, so. Do I pick up on any weirdness? When you're around them, it doesn't feel like it's, uh, now that you're out of the keep, it doesn't feel as strong. Like it feels a little bit better. Like that unease is getting better and you don't sense it from the wheat. But you guys were kind of like listening around in the crowds. Um, so give me, who wants to give me a percentile roll? Percentile? 78. Holy shit. Okay. Um, you hear people whispering about how they're scared of the dark forces and they hope that the priest's blessing keeps the shadows away. There's people asking the locals in town about the ghosts that happened earlier in the summer and you can hear the locals talking about how terrifying it was, but... There was like some there was some adventurers who came through and were able to take care of it. And they were grateful for that. And Father Neri did a good job trying to like protect people's homes so the ghosts couldn't cross over. Um, There's a lot of people talking about getting married and like matchmaking. There's also like one thing you pick up in the undercurrent is there's a bunch of people like miscellaneous people who kind of talk about how it was a really dangerous year for traveling over the summer, like when people were trying to come to Meyerfield and like there were so many people that just went missing but never came back home. On their way to Meyerfield? Yeah, like when they were trying to go to Meyerfield or Fay, and like if they were in the from the local hamlets and forts, there were people who just disappeared and some people were like, maybe they got spirited away, maybe it was the ghosts or something like that. But it was like, it, you pick up a pattern of like, there would just be sometimes people who were like, merchants who would travel through like some of them didn't come back but normally it was like they were just local small-time merchants or like a farm had like one of their kids or something go one of their kids go off to go get something and then they didn't come back and no one knows what happened to them and people are kind of trying to see if anyone heard rumors of where they would have gone but like there's just people that were traveling during the summer months till like and they just went missing and no one knows what happened and they're kind of like that's scary maybe it was like shadow things and like or the ghosts so a lot of people are jumpy about that and there's a little bit of heartbrokenness over the people who are inquiring like what happened to like somebody they knew from like their small town that never came back um and then there's also a lot of people who you can tell like are excited about seeing all the other people here and knowing that they could get match made with somebody and like all that young love energy and stuff like that like you know there's a lot of young people who are trying to look their best and like be cute. You hear people kind of talking about, especially the girls, like, oh, what if, like, what if a noble woman wants me to be her servant? Or what if, like, a noble lord, like, you know, once, like, falls in love with me? And then, like, the guys are like, oh, I gotta prove myself in the game so Shelby notices me or something like that. You know, like, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of, like, sexual tension energy yeah. of I must prove myself. Um, <laughs> with that, any other questions? Lord Rice is stealing the people and harvesting their souls to get power. End of story. (laughs) Above table, I have suspicions of Lila. Maybe she's the real culprit. I have suspicions of everybody. Well, yeah. Even even your party? (sighs) Yes. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Careful or you'll uh, turn into Felix. (laughs) Paranoid of everyone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
Felix, you wanted to talk with Rhiannon. Um, she's getting ready and it's, uh, she's, she's dressed and Sophia is trying to like style her hair in like a braid and then like tuck it under her, like, you know, veil or whatever. Did you want to talk privately with her? Some of the other girls who are the ma- guards are around too, but. I think she brings in like some light refreshments, like drinks, you know, just little things. And brings the, you know, the men on a trade probably. And just, uh, well, shoots Rihanna in a little smile. I, uh, I thought that you might like to, uh, well, I thought that you might be getting a little peckish. <laughs> Not really, but I probably should eat something. And she kind of like looks at the servants and uh, she says, can you give us a few minutes alone? And then they're like, uh, sure. You can see Sophia's a little bit confused because she's like, this isn't Hans and Franz, but okay. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on. So they all leave. It's just, yeah, they all leave. All right. Uh, Quite frankly, I thought you might like a sort of distraction. Talk about uh, <clears throat> plays or some books. I did go see one with an old friend I hadn't seen in a long time recently. She kind of like gives you a smile. Well, it was a very stupid one, dare say. Ridiculous romance and possibly an alarm message attached to it. Something that I'd perhaps Lord Disturnus would know what to make of it, but I'm not sure that the others. It might be distracting. Don't you find it a bit odd that there are so many parallels between that play and what's going on now? To be honest, I didn't think about it at the time because I've seen so many different iterations of that play told through the lens of people that wanted to win my father or some other ancestor of mine's favor, but never. Never my mother's side, so it was probably one of the more sympathetic views I had ever seen of her as a queen. It wasn't like she was just evil from the beginning, but I'd know your meaning. Why now? Who in the world decided that was something to be brought up right now? Right now when there's a queen in power, or rather a duchess, who perhaps has been Led false, who is currently watching over the great something granddaughter of that very princess who apparently was rescued by Belmont. I see the parallels, but I'm not sure that my hunch is quite correct. You've always been able to see parallels and things that I missed. I'll let him say it then. I think it's quite possible that Rice is even more cunning and, well, forward-thinking than we previously thought, because I think that he paid that playwright to make that play right now, to have it be published and be in the public's eyes. It's one of those things that it's possible, but there are many things. It could have been a subtle seed to sow discord, though. That's the thing. We put it in the people's minds that the Queen is mad. She's following false gods. They start seeing it in their own daily lives very, very quickly and easily. Perhaps I am reading too much into it, though. Maybe. You always were a bit paranoid. Not that I blame you. Uh, 
Is it really paranoia when there are people out to get you? No. How are you holding up with all of this? Define all of this. Uh, she like gestures. It's a bit rough, to be, to be quite honest. But I'm trying to just trying to focus on this step and the next step that I need to take and the fact that whatever happens, it seems like it'll be pulling into a close soon. Or at least of this intrigue, because who knows what other bloody intrigues are all about. I mean, what? Blackbird? Come on. Blackbird? And and maybe Feldspar? What? I mean, are they in collusion with Belmont? Forgive me, but I absolutely hate that bloody man. And if they are, what is going on? What side are they playing? But people and politics really drive me mad sometimes. You were always much better at the politics than I am. Weird how fate works. Seems like no matter what in life, we're both cut from the same cloth. Sure. Eat something already. Got some of your favorites. She, like, starts picking at the food, and she says, make sure that they don't get killed tonight, or at all. And also make sure that... I don't want to feel helpless anymore. I want to help in whatever ways I can. And I think I could have been helpful when you broke into Rice's man manor. I, I have the ability to break locks with magic. I have the ability to do all sorts of things, but I'm tired of just being stuck in this dress and waiting for somebody to come rescue me from forces outside my control. Well, be quite frank, your movements are going to be a bit easier for them to track. But we could use that to our advantage. And I can assure you that if there is anything that we can use your help on, I will be coming to you. You are not some hopeless damsel in distress, gods no. I've definitely gotten better at climbing through windows with those shoes. Well, as long as you're not trying to climb up gutters. <laughs> she like laughs. I'm not dressed as a servant this time though. No, no. Unfortunately, there's no charming caterpillar in your hair either. Oh, God. <laughs> They kind of, she kind of laughs for a little bit, um, and then she says, well, I don't want them to gossip about me forever, and I know that this is kind of, I don't want to give too much away for people, but I am going to bring a good luck charm to keep close to me. And you see her, uh, like, go over to her bag and, like, rifle through things and pull out, like, a handkerchief that's embroidered, um, and, like, stuff it, like, up her sleeve for good luck. Well... I hope it does give you luck if you need it. Though, there is this saying that I've heard. If you don't get good luck, you make it. Well, the person who made this, I think, makes their own luck in life and sometimes has the ability to land on their feet like a cat. So I'm assuming it will go well for me. And sometimes it runs absolutely horribly. Nope. Lands on their feet this time. And then I... she'll kind of like go tell you to like, uh, tell them to come back in and finish working on my hair. Oh, so many pins with this stupid veil. Felix will give a perfect bow uh, <laughs> with a bit of uh, teasing. As you wish, your highness. 
Oh, don't call me that. <laughs> well, I have a naughty highness. Oh, shut up. And she like grabs like a, she grabs like a nearby like pillow and like throws it at you. Like, get out. Shut up. Uh, don't call me that. He dodges and laughs and uh, quickly schools his expression before he leaves. Have a good evening, your grace. And like motions you to get out. I put two and two together before, like, towards the beginning of the conversation that Felix was the one that Rhiannon was talking about in in the the chariot because of the embroidery. That's why I said I don't think Andrew has anything to be worried about. Right. Yeah. But. Or does he? But what I don't know is, 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 is it just like a cover or is is there something I need to I need to know more about Felix? <laughs> <laughs> the running theme. <laughs> I need to know more about Felix. Answers <laughs> uh, will come, my child. Damn it. Uh, so yeah, um, Felix leaves the room and looks at the three who are very likely, undoubtedly gossiping. Oh yeah, they're totally Near like the door. they're totally watching. Um, and then they see you come out and they're like, oh, hello. And Septima kind of like looks at you like, okay. Can I help you ladies? No. Is she ready for us to come back in? Sophia asked very graciously. Yes, she was complaining about the uh, number of pins for her veil. And Sophia's like, oh, well, I'll try my best. And um, Septima's like, hey, she should keep him on her. That way she can stab his, his royal asshole with him if he gets too handsy. And Morna is just like, I did not just hear you say that. Like, I did not just hear you say that. And like, uh, Felix will actually give <laughs> a small grin. Perhaps one of, I've heard something about the sternest ladies and uh, some, well, rather ferocious ones who know how to castrate people. Perhaps one of you ought to be kind enough to teach her. Uh, Septima's like, I don't know who you've been talking to to learn such accurate things about us. Well, why does have the secrets? <laughs> I've never had to do it myself, except on, like, a horse, but, you know, that was for unrelated reasons to what I'm sure you're implying. And Morna's like, okay, we're we're going back in. Let's just, 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 let's get out of this conversation. Septima's like looking back at you, smiling, like, I like this guy. He asked the great question. He gets it. I love how the mom of the group is just like, I'm not talking about these kind of things with you. She's a nice lady. As they enter the keep, dinner is served. But will truth be served with the meal? or only more deception. Find out next time on The Guardians of Fahal.